Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's weekly intelligence summary track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper. What's up, everyone? I'm HBR, and this is Shadow Talk, Digital Shadows weekly intelligence update podcast. With me, back again, is Alex G, or Ali G, as I should say now, since we decided that was your nickname from now on. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's good to have you back, Mr. Harrison. Yep. Uh, so I was at RSA this week, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. But um, also in London, Jamie Collier, the Collier Jam on Twitter. JC Cool in our hearts. How are you doing? Good. I'm impressed you're remembering all my different names. I'm going to have to create some new ones to confuse you even more. Oh, then the intro is just going to get longer and longer each time then. I mean, as long as, you know, the most of the intro, if not the podcast, is just kind of about me, then, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> That's ideal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Alex, you said that I was in RSA this week and I was. Um, it, that's why my voice is somewhat scratchy a little bit, but um, <clears throat> lots of talking went on. Uh, but RSA was really cool. This is actually the first RSA that I was able to attend, and it, it was an interesting, crazy experience. Um, like the sheer like volume of people that uh, come to this conference is pretty crazy. Um, but the digital digital shadows presence was extremely strong, and we were uh, handing out some cool test drive swag. So hopefully, any listeners that were at the conference got. A, uh, a cool little, little race car, uh, like it's like it's like a little stress ball race car that you can like squeeze. Oh, and, you bring any back? No, <laughs> I didn't. So my my so my my bags were ex- like overflowingly packed full because I Typical uh, Harrison. apparently brought way too many clothes. Yeah, I, I brought three pairs of shoes. I don't know why. For what four days in San Francisco? Yeah, I d- don't ask <laughs> me why. I have no idea. Um, but there were a lot of really, really good meetings that came out of it, and there's some exciting developments that are in the works, so do stay tuned for that. Um, but since I was not RSA this week, that means that I had no time to catch up on the threat intel from this week. So, Jamie, you are our in-sum analyst this week. Uh, inform me on this Fin6 update. Yeah, so uh, Fin6 is a financially motivated uh, threat actor. It's typically gone after point-of-sale environments, typically in the kind of retail and hospitality sector. During 2018, uh, Visa's reported that the group has now fully incorporated into their attack methodology the targeting of card-not present data. So this is involved in kind of e-commerce transactions when you're paying for things online. Um, you know, really used this uh, tactic, went after this kind of attack vector a lot in 2018. Um, so it really shows that the group has kind of broadened out from just kind of compromising point-of-sale environments. Uh, that was kind of what they were doing uh, before then. And the group uh, targeted uh, e-commerce sites through actually going through a client's internal network. Uh, traditionally, we've seen a lot of e-commerce sites being targeted through third-party suppliers. So I think what stood out here was actually that they kind of went through a more traditional uh, internal network targeting. So they initially would compromise a victim's device, uh, and then they would kind of move laterally through a, a network to the e-commerce and the payment server where a selected payload was uh, deployed. And another thing that's kind of interesting about uh, the attack methods they've been using is they've been using the payload uh, more eggs, which has actually uh, been used by other groups in the past. That's interesting. So um, what, other, what other groups have we seen using that more eggs payload? We've previously seen the more eggs backdoor being offered as uh, malware as a service uh, in, the pla- in a platform or toolkit referred to as golden chickens, uh, which is a bit of a ridiculous name, I know. 
but used by other, uh, by other threat actors, including Cobalt Group. Um, and I think what's interesting here is that uh, Fin6 are using this in the sense that they're, um, they're you know, traditionally seen as quite a sophisticated group, and they're now using kind of more publicly available tools. Um, we've, not, we've seen a little bit of that, but I think what it will maybe mean is that A, uh, the Golden Chickens Toolkit will become quite popular as you know, other threat actors see uh, Fin6 being so uh, successful with it. But I think it's also clear now that you know, some of the more sophisticated groups can also gain success from using these readily available tools. Uh, it's kind of realistically possible that other uh, sophisticated threat actors you know, will also kind of go down this path as a, as a cheaper method for acquiring uh, toolkits, uh, potentially more reliable, more instant than actually uh, developing them. Right? Interesting. So could you say that Fin6 is going to continue clucking around? Hey. <laughs> Alex just shook his head at me. Nobody could see that since it... <laughs> Alex shook his head and Harrison was kind of beaming, looking for approval. I really was. I was just staring hard at Alex while I said it. I think Harrison is a little short on sleep. Yeah, that too. Okay, well, cool. No, that's super interesting. Um, so with Fin6 still clucking around, I'm just going to keep using it over and over again. Uh, so what, what can we expect from the group uh, moving forward? I think one area we might see is actually a widening of the organizations and the sort of sectors that they're targeting during the next 12 months. Uh, as I said before, traditionally targeted kind of retail and hospitality. Uh, but now, essentially, any organization with an e-commerce platform you know, that could even be, say, charities uh, offering kind of donations on their site, etc. Um, they, they're all, you know, viable targets. So we've seen with other organizations targeting e-commerce platforms, uh, you know, in the last 12 months, they've, that's included the transport sector, the retail sector, manufacturing, etc. So I think one thing would just be that widening of the sectors uh, under scope now for the group. I think the other thing is, obviously, we've seen them uh, during 2018 uh, develop their attack methodology, add this kind of new tactic. So what, are they, what have they been doing in the meantime? And are they developing other kind of tactics, other procedures uh, right now? And, you know, maybe in the future, their toolkit will be even wider, even more versatile, just, to, you know, in order to increase the chances that their campaigns are successful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, it transitions nicely into um, our highlights for this week. So, Alex, the first highlight that we have is about Magecart. Why don't you update on that? Yeah, so uh, another week, another Magecart victim. Uh, this time it was Tops, so the U.S.-based company that manufactures sports memorabilia. Um, they were targeted by the Magecart threat group, um, and specifically the, the Group 4 subgroup, which is known to be among the more sophisticated groups, if you're looking at Magecart subgroups. And similar to other Magecart attacks, they injected a malicious script, and it was active on the site for about seven weeks. So, so the company disclosed that they'd been affected, um, customers potentially, their data was at risk, their payment information, personal information. Um, so we might see more information on that come out in the next couple of weeks as well. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have a good... Uh, a good analogy or a funny phrase for Magecart? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll keep thinking on it. Maybe yeah. next week. I mean, there's going to be another one, so. Maybe of course. Well. Yeah. All right, cool. So, Alex, the next one up is, I have no idea about this one, actually, so why don't you just jump right into it? Yeah, so we saw a new malware called Farseer, which was possibly being used in the interest of the Chinese state. It was targeting uh, individuals with Myanmar-themed lures and phishing campaigns. Um, what was interesting about this one was that it had several overlaps, both in terms of the TTPs as well as technical uh, overlaps with other malware, such as Henbox, which we've previously seen being used to target um, ethnic minorities in China. 
Um, so because this campaign was so specifically targeted, um, it's possible that it was connected to the Chinese government due to their interest in the region uh, and possibly targeting Burmese political figures, but um, that remains to be seen. There's a lot of poultry-related words in this. There is. I'm almost wondering if it's deliberate, and if so, what is the meaning behind what this? What is this meaning? We got maybe ACH. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie can we do need that. that ACH. Only if you're paying. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so then moving on, this story I did hear about, um, U.S. Cyber Command preempts Russian influence with pre-election attacks. Uh, give me the update on that. Yeah, so uh, the United States Cyber Command, that's the kind of more offensive uh, arm of the U.S. government kind of uh, conducting cyber campaigns. Um, and they were targeting the networks of, as you say, Russian-based Internet Research Agency. Um, this is a kind of organizational agency, whatever you want to call it, that was kind of quite well known for kind of misinformation campaigns. Uh, so the U.S. was likely doing this to kind of send a, both to send a signal and to kind of prevent them conducting these campaigns in the run-up uh, to the midterms. Uh, a few kind of conflicting reports on the precise impact of these attacks, but I think they do probably uh, confirm a kind of more uh, offensive or aggressive posture by Cyber, Cyber Command um, to kind of signal to the Russians uh, what you know what's not going to be tolerated. Um, I think you know we'll kind of continue to see this for those interested in this area. Um, the U.S. the latest U.S. Uh, cybersecurity strategy talks about this idea of defending forward, which is much more proactive uh, disruption in uh, kind of aggressors' networks. So it's kind of uh, it looks like it's kind of sitting within that theme. Yeah, yeah, I remember that coming out. Um, I guess it's last week, and it was it was definitely it, it was it was like the first time that they acknowledged that they were actively conducting attacks, right? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, obviously we've seen a few, you know, uh, documented things like Stuxnet in the past, but I think uh, in terms of this new strategy, um, this is probably a sign of what's to come in the future. Whether it will always be public uh, remains to be seen. Sure. Cool. Yeah, super interesting stuff. Um, all right, so then looking forward, Alex, I'll go to you for the first forward-looking update. So the much-beloved tax season, uh, especially in the U.S., is upon us. And so we've seen previously, uh, starting in 2017 was when it really started coming out, uh, threat actors were using uh, tactics like business email compromise to target things like W-2 forms um, that could potentially be used for fraud. We've also seen phishing campaigns, and that's been ongoing ever since. And we kind of would expect that kind of activity to occur in the run-up to the tax deadline, which is on April 15th. So... Uh, we're keeping our eyes peeled. Um, that's what we're likely expecting. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that in the past. I think I think that's a big, big deal for companies, and um, you know, definitely something to watch out internally for. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So then, Jamie, what about the next one? Yeah. So there is a uh, Syria donor conference conference uh, taking place between the twelfth to the fourteenth of uh, March. That's uh, for the governments providing aid uh, to the state of Syria, and that will be co-chaired by the European Union and the United Nations. So obviously with uh, that many kind of uh, big hitters attending, uh, it's likely going to prompt uh, state-associated espionage, um, but it might also, uh, you know, be a, it's, or it's realistically possible that ideologically motivated activists will use the event to kind of bring attention to and further Syrian causes. Cool. Uh, and then moving on to the last one, number three, Alex. So there's been quite a bit of protest-related activity in Algeria in the past couple of weeks due to the presidential campaign and the announcement that the current president will be up for re-election. 
So, so it's possible that this kind of more physical protest will spill over into the, the cyber realm. Um, ideologically motivated threat actors could possibly conduct hacktivist campaigns, um, even if it's not terribly likely, that's still a possibility because those types of campaigns typically uh, build off real world events. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that um, go on with kind of known hacktivist groups mm-hmm. who kind of latch onto this idea and yep. then they, they conduct cyber cyber um, operations. And elections for sure are definitely one of the things that can be a catalyst for that kind of activity. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right. Awesome. Well, that will wrap it up this week. Uh, if you want to download the full intelligence summary, go to resources.digitalshadows.com. Um, that will do it from us for this. Actually, no, we have a question, but I don't have a question off the top of my head. Oh, no. All right. So the question of the week that we just thought of on the top of my head, I guess I thought of it off the top of my head. <laughs> I need sleep, Alex, please. <laughs> um, who is going to go see Captain Marvel this weekend? I mean, you already know the answer to that. Yeah, me, and, me and Alex are going to go see it tonight. So, Jamie, are you going to go see it? I won't be seeing it, unfortunately. Yeah, what, why? Come on. There's, there are many other films I'd be much more interested in seeing than Captain Marvel. You're not, you're not big on this Avengers no, game, are J- you? Jamie's more into silent black and white films, yeah. probably. He's a he's Charlie more Chaplin of an, type. More of an intellectual than we... <laughs> Well, the key is to see films that, you know, you, you kind of like to be seen seeing, even if you don't actually <laughs> them yourself. It's all a status thing. It's all a social event. <laughs> Just to be able to say you've seen them. All right, cool. Um, well, then that will do it for us from this week. Me and Alex are going to go see movie tonight. We won't spoil anything next week. Or maybe we will. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll put in, like, little teasers in there for listeners. Yeah. That'll be good. All right, cool. All right, well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, guests. Thank you, Captain Marvel, for entertainment tonight. Talk to y'all next week.